from Relay FM. This is the Pen Addict, episode 432, and today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad. Hey, Mike. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am good. I have a question for you. I have a, I have a podcasting question for you. Okay. Do you have a podcast voice? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think yes you do. No, I think though. I do, too. Yes and no. So... <laughs> I would say that I am definitely a little bit more eloquent on shows, or like I do, I'm more, I'm less rare to slip into bad habits. But mm-hmm. I record so many shows and have recorded so many shows over the last mm-hmm. ten years that my actual voice has become my podcasting voice by and large. Right, and we I talked just, about that. Yeah, yeah, it just morphs a little bit now. But I have vastly changed the way that I talk over the years. Some things purposefully, some things just accidentally and so yeah it's a yes and no question for me now <laughs> well i asked because i caught you today right like we're talking like mm. we go from hey let's chat about things within seconds to of starting the show right yeah so that that switch flips like almost in the same sentence and i was like oh there's mike's podcast <laughs> podcast voice it's time to get serious so oh, yeah I, right yeah. yeah like i could tell i could tell today so i thought that i thought that was funny but um yeah that's that's one of those things like i catch myself talking in different ways sometimes like if i'm on the phone or something because i'm actually you know, we're talking out loud in a room to ourselves. <laughs> it's I guess an the odd thing if, if you think too hard about it. Before we start recording, I'm more likely to be like muttery or whatever with you, right? Then I'm going to be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on a show, right? So like I'm, I'm purposefully being maybe a little less eloquent because we're just chit-chatting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we have some long-term and ongoing follow-up that we we will never shake the sailor follow-up mike it's going to be the sailor follow-up the Mm follow-out the follow-on all all the following of the sailors just because that's something that we're interested in and to be perfectly honest it gives us some really interesting things to talk about in the grand scheme of the pen business which i know you and i like to discuss outside yeah of products so we've talked about sailors ownership change slash possible ownership change in the mm-hmm. past right with the company the conglomerate plus um taking them over eventually you know there's this whole um convertible bond ownership percentage thing going on and it's in process so our question recently when we've been talking about it was has this happened is plus the official you know, over 50% owner of Sailor right now and listening to Jacob and CY on Tokyo Inklings this week who are the, 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 the primary source for all of this information. They do such a great job. Um, the answer is no. And I found Jacob's conversation interesting this week and I'm not going to do it justice and I don't want to talk about it completely because y'all should go listen to their show. Uh, we'll have a link into the most current episode, but you should be subscribed to the Tokyo Inklings podcast regardless. But basically, Jacob went and read the public disclosures, you know, just like any corporation in any mm. country, when they're a publicly owned company, they have to disclose certain things. So the latest disclosure set clarified some of the things that Plus wanted from Sailor and clarified the time frame that Plus has to actually activate this convertible bond status to take over, which turns out it's a seven-year period, Mike. So they don't have to make this decision quickly. And on top of that, they have put in, I don't know, requests, I think is being the nice way to say, from uh, Sailor as a business right now. Like Plus is saying, before we convert these bonds and take this ownership and give you this money to pay on these debts. We want to see some prop- profitability from your business line. So I think that may be why we're seeing some of the product lineup changes. So that's making, it makes sense either way, right? Plus is maybe not the owner yet, but they're pulling strings. They're proxy to, owner. Yeah. Like they they're don't trying to actually own it, but it's like, they dangle their ownership on a string in front of Sailor. And it's kind of, and I get it. Like this is not a bad thing. It's kind of like if you yeah. want to continue having any autonomy, you need to mm-hmm. do what we say in the things we care about. 
Right. Right. And that's kind of yeah. where they are, I guess. Yeah, this is this is the big boy business stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like this is the stuff that like they're we see we get to talk about, hey, look at all look at the twenty SKUs Sailor just yanked from their product lineup. You can't get those anymore. And then we say, Okay, why did they do that? Mm-hmm. But on the other end, Plus is saying your business is not profitable and we're not going to give you the money until this is. So these changes kind of go hand in hand with that. So anyway, I thought it was interesting. You should go listen to we're not doing that conversation justice on the financial side of things. Um, Jacob um, is actually in finance and can is able to talk about these things in a very, uh, very good manner to help you understand what's going on. If you're interested, like I am. Because you and I, we just, we follow the pens, right? We want to see what's new, mm-hmm. um, what's old that's going away, what interesting decisions the, the company's making and things like that. So on top of that, the the logo and design change, CY broke that down. I thought he had some really good insight on what it means from a Japanese perspective, you know, what the logos and designs or what story they're trying to tell in Japan. And that's something that's insight that you and I don't have, right? We look at it just from a design perspective, but CY is able to take it and say, how does this play in the history of the brand, in the history of stationary stores in Japan, in the current model of stationary stores in Japan and how brands work? And is this like a, a good decision and an effective for sailor to to make these changes and i thought that was a great discussion so yeah definitely go go check those out and uh if you're interested in these things like we are yeah all right um next topic is is going to be a tough topic discuss and that's our friend and i'm going to call him that bob johnson who you've heard us talk about for years in both good and bad terms Mm mm-hmm as the the showrunner of the DC Pin Show, he passed away. Um, we just got news of this Monday. I forget when I first heard. Um, they sent out an email. The DC Pin Show sent out an email, but uh, Mr. Johnson passed away of a heart attack back on September 9th. So they just um, notified everyone now, and with a letter. I'm not going to read the whole letter from the DC Pin Show. It's not very long, but we'll put a link in the show notes where I just copy the text if you're if you're interested. But um, Mr. Johnson basically um, he's had he's had heart problems in the past. This is uh, he passed due to a heart attack, and it wasn't his first. So um, you know we'll we'll miss Bob, um, and he has been one of the most interesting characters in my time in the pin business and in the pin realm and doing pin shows and things like that in that we have had a love hate relationship (laughs) with how he's done things. Right. He's, I, I think an interesting character is the best way to describe Bob. And I, I'm not gonna like, I've always picked on Bob in a fun way because he's just, he's just a goofy dude. And he, but he was generally down to earth he was very loyal to the people he put his trust in. And it took a while to break through with Mr. Johnson. Like I remember for years, if if you'll allow me to share a couple of Bob Johnson of stories. Um, you know, the DC pen show is considered the biggest pen show in the world. Like whether that's accurate or not, no one can say. But it feels but it's you know, important. Okay. It's an important show. It's definitely the biggest show in the U.S. or was at the time, you know, over the past few decades. And Bob has played a role in that, right? Like Bob, you know, made this happen. I don't want to say he pulled it out of thin air, but like this has been his thing for years and years, uh, decades even. Mm -hmm. And it was the show that everyone just marked on their calendar at the beginning of the year. It was called the Super Show for a reason, right? Like, yeah, it's why we went there. It's why you Mm -hmm. went there multiple times. Whilst it was Mm -hmm. hilariously mismanaged, (laughs) Bob obviously had the ability to bring enough people to one place that you would keep Mm -hmm. going back every time because the money could be made, right? And that that was the whole thing about it. Yeah, it was unlike any other show in good ways and bad ways, right? It was was the biggest moneymaker for most vendors who showed up there of the year like people would make their years at that show but you also had to deal with the headaches that came along with 
that crowd, that size. Yep. Um, Bob's flightiness, <laughs> you know, Bob, <laughs> Bob is an interesting, interesting guy. Like for years, like he wouldn't give me the time of day, right? Mm-hmm. Like people would purposefully drag me over to talk to Bob and introduce me. And like, he would, he would just be like, Hey, how's it going? And then just like, keep walking. Right. Like he had no interest <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had no interest in talking to me and like Lisa Van Ness would just kind of same with Lisa like Lisa would just eventually just broke him down into like once you figure out like hey I can do something for you Bob like help you out like I want to help you out and like here's like things we can do like he didn't he may not have been the best person to understand the modern turn of pen shows right uh, yeah, I, think I think that's that probably fair saying right he he was yeah. very stuck in the past, and right. there's a place for that. But you know, as we mentioned on the shows many times, like unfortunately, the world the world did start to move, and it, and it was leaving uh, him behind a bit. Right, Bob had a little bit of trouble keeping up with the modern times and what the modern idea of a mm-hmm. pen show was. Not that he was resistant to change, but the scope of his show combined with any little change would just like throw him for a loaf. But I, I like, I eventually got on Bob's good side. Bob knew my name. Bob would say hi to me on purpose. Like <laughs> Bob's a, Bob's a guy that would just put his head down and walk through until where he needed to get to go. Right. Yeah. He didn't want to be stopped <laughs> or anything, but then like eventually at the DC pin show, he would give us a room to hold like a little get together and giveaway. He would just give it to us. Like we didn't have to pay for the room, which, you know, that stuff's expensive. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then kind of when the show had to move hotels was when kind of the DC show, that's when it kind of got thrown for a loop. And, you know, maybe that was, you know, Bob's doing, maybe it wasn't. I don't pretend to know all the details at the time, but ever since the show hotel had to move, it's been in kind of a uproarious state, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the new hotel ha- doesn't have as great a space. Um, Bob has not managed, did not manage it as well. But it was improving over the first few years. The first year you went to D.C. was at the new hotel, so you didn't get to sp- experience the old hotel. Um, and the new the new hotel was your first experience of D.C. and of Bob. And it could not have gone worse for you <laughs> at the time. For all, For literally everyone there at the time, it could not have gone worse. Um But, you know, it's, you know, we made it through that year and, you know, Bob made sure it got better every year since then. So going forward, his family has been involved in the DC show. I guess it's his sister and his son that are now Mm -hmm. taking the reins of the show. And they've been working with him for the past 10 or 15 years. Um, So I anticipate that we're not going to miss too much of a beat with the DC pen show. They're going to keep it going. Um, you know, Oh, it's Bob's nephew. Um, it's not, it's Bob's sister and Bob's nephew. So they've been doing this for a while. Hopefully we can continue to have the DC pen show. I'm sure we will and do it in memory of Bob. And yeah, yeah they mentioned you know, wanting to do one in 2021 and they want to have a, uh, an event to celebrate Bob's life, which I think would be, yep. you know, will be quite, quite a special thing. Yep. So one last one last Bob story I got to share and our good friend, Carrie Yeager of Kenro Industries and Fountain Pen Day shared this image of Bob on his Instagram. It was in a story, so we can't leak the image, but maybe I'll get Carrie to just post that as an image on his Instagram so we can go see it. But there is this, an amazing story behind this image. It's Carrie. This is, this is the time. This was the year before you came, Mike. This is the okay. last year in the old hotel. And there's this atrium out in the middle of the hotel so like the the show the main show is in this big ballroom and then there's tons of tables out in this atrium area so it's lisa vaness's tables vaness pens has like three or four tables then i have one table me and jeff of knock so we had a knock table and then right next to us on the other side was carrie and he brought his fountain pen day stuff this is Mm -hmm. prior to him working for kenro so that's our run of tables right there so me and carrie are right next to each other and jeff and lisa and so the conversation at DC, you can't help it to, to the conversations around Bob, like, <laughs> you know, he's just an odd duck and 
trying to get his attention. This is when he doesn't really know who we are, right? Doesn't know anyone. Like, this is when you couldn't get a table. Like, we had to get our tables through Lisa because Bob basically wouldn't answer our emails or anything like that. So Carrie is selling Fountain Pen Day swag. And he said, and like every time Bob would come over, we'd always talk to him like, hey, Bob, you know, you know, I'm Brad. And Carrie would be like, I'm Carrie. And Carrie what had these hats at the time, these Fountain Pen Day hats. He's like, I'm going to get Bob to take a picture with one of these hats sometime this weekend. You just wait. So we finally buttered up Bob enough to make him stop. And Carrie's like, hey, we want to take a picture. We And Carrie had his hat on, the Fountain Pen Day hat. And he's like, Brad, come here. He's like, he got Bob to put on this hat and me, Carrie and Bob there with Bob wearing Carrie's fountain day, fountain pen day hat was like the catch of the century. And we just, we just had the best time with that picture. Um, the Bob thought it was funny, you know, Bob in the picture, he's like, I want no part of this, (laughs) but we got him, we got him to do it. And that, that pretty much sealed our friendship with Bob going forward. We were able to like, you know, get our own tables and do our own thing. And, you know, he knew who we were at that time, but that, that was one of my many fun Bob stories. So if we get to DC in the coming year, we will be able to share more stories. And there are, (laughs) there are a lot of Bob Johnson stories. So rest in peace, Mr. Johnson. And uh, I hope the uh, DC pin shows in good hands and I look forward to its continuation and I'll certainly do what I can to support it. Yeah, of course, you know, this is a, the, the what this kind of thing is a terrible thing, especially you know, like stuff like heart attacks happen so quickly, right? So it's, I'm sure it is a, a a horrible shock to the family, and and mm-hmm. of course we're, you know, we can only offer our condolences, and we hope and we, as as the rest of the community, I'm sure we'll do, uh, we'll honor this individual who has done a lot. Um, and we'll continue to, you know, to honor his legacy uh, into into the future. All right, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. With the ability to grab a unique domain name, take advantage of award-winning templates and more, they are the home for your next project online. Maybe you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that will let you do it. There's nothing to install or patch or upgrade. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace have got you covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support, so if you need any help, they will be right there for you. Squarespace let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas squarespace plans start at just 12 dollars a month but you can start a trial today with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com penaddict when you decide to sign up use the offer code penaddict to get 10 percent of your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show once again that is squarespace.com penaddict and the code penaddict for 10 percent of your first purchase our thanks to squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM, Squarespace. Make your next move, make your next website. So, Mike, in the vast pantheon of topics we've covered in 432 episodes of The Pen Addict, mm-hmm. are there any topics that have made you more uncomfortable than what I'm about to talk about? And that is skin pins. Well, that's the problem. My main problem with this topic is that you have written it in the show notes <laughs> under the heading skin pens, which I'm mm. not happy with because mm. you have done that purposefully to mm. gross me out mm. because mm. it's not pens made of skin. Mm. No, but it's pens to write on skin. I feel like it's an accurate accurate name for this yeah, section. But you know, no, you know it's not, though. <laughs> you know, you, at least it's accurate, yes. But you picked that specific mm. one so mm. you could gross me out. True, true. I did. And... This is one of those questions we took on Ask TPA last week, and I, I was anxious to, to do it. It's a legitimate question, and I think it's a fair topic to cover. But then, Mike, my mm-hmm. inbox blew up, unlike any other topic in quite some time. Um, people have a lot of opinions <laughs> on what pens to use to write on your skin. And I missed the most obvious one, which I have seen, and actually I think is a legit you know, good choice. I've seen henna pens for sale, right? You've seen mm. henna art pens. Um, I either zebra or Pentel, Pentel, one of those has made a henna 
pin set before. I couldn't find it now. Like there, there's no current version of this. But those pins are made to draw on the skin and last for several days. Like they're not going to wash off within a day. You know, maybe a week or so. Bic, as it turns out, another email. So I got a lot of emails on henna pins. I got one email that Bic still makes a pin called the Body Mark. That's, that, that's literally <laughs> the name of the pin, the Body Mark. You can go buy the Bic Body Mark right now. That is a popular skin art pin. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes so you can see this. Because this is a whole arena like I was not expecting to to be involved in. You know, being the pin addict, like this was never like within my purview <laughs> of having to answer these questions. So getting to to dig into it's pretty wild. But the the best answer, Mike, and the one I got multiple times. And it's also kind of obvious if you think about it, but I never would have thought about it until someone mentioned it to me. Is there is an entire industry of surgical pins and skin markers. And I got recommendations. <laughs> In my email for the ones that people should choose. So um, this one, I don't know. You have to buy them in bulk from like medical industry sites. And um, we won't go into completely what they're used. But there is a there is a violet fine point marker, Mike, that you can buy in like a bin of 100. And it seems to be like the popular going choice for writing. So Nick, I know you're out there. And I know you want to do the full research. Isn't it like one of the uses for these types of pens is if you're going in, say, to have an operation on your leg, they draw on the yeah. leg that's getting operated on, so everyone's 100% sure of which leg is having the operation, stuff like that's that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that and that's why you buy them in bulk, because they're probably one-time use, even though you, you could, like some of us who are writing, you know, we could write the pen from beginning to end, but in a surgical situation, we're marking it, you know, then we're chucking it, right? Right. So that's why you can't, you can't buy like a three pack of skin markers, Mike. You got to buy the hundred box of a hundred. Yeah, probably. But like, if you go on this surgical pen page that I missed, it's just pages and pages and pages of these things. So if you really want to get serious about writing on your skin, um, I, I think that's the I don't. that's the way to go. So. I don't. <laughs> no. just, just go with the big body mark. Let's let's leave it at that. The big why do body they make mark. Th- I mean, still... I know why they make it. Like it's supposed to be like a fun tattoo pen. But why do they make this pen? Yeah, yeah. Temporary care. tattoos. It's mm-hmm. just silly. They're actually when I was looking for the henna pen set that I had seen in the past. Mm-hmm. They're actually some very expensive henna pens. Oh, I out bet. There. Like that's not. A they're not worth linking. But like, like, like fifty dollar pens. Like I didn't figure. I didn't bother linking those or anything in here. But um, the big body mark seems to be the temporary tattoo pen of choice. So, Nick, I would like a report back on uh, on what you're going to go with here. So this is a this was a very important follow up, Mike, and I I thought worthwhile. And I'm shocked at the amount of feedback I got <laughs> on this topic, either on Twitter or in my email. It was great. Thank you all. All right, so you may have a review of uh, a pen that I've become more familiar with this brand um, recently called Bennu. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to explain to me a little bit about why you wanted to review the Bennu pen what ben- and what Bennu kind of are? Yes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the short version mm-hmm. of why I wanted to review the Bennu Euphoria pen which is their newest pen it's because i didn't like any of the pens that benu launched with years ago so let's explore that a little bit yeah so that's how that's how this came about and this is not a you know like i'm not knocking benu for what they are or like when they launched like they made pens that were very flashy in very unique shapes like they had some like the little torpedo shapes with you know, wild materials, which I'm actually completely down with, and like a very narrow grip section. Like I could see the pen; they were, you know, like sixty, eighty bucks, and I was like, "This just isn't a pen for me." Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day mm-hmm. when bidding first launched, and like that's cool. Like not all pens are for all people, mm-hmm. and they kept making new designs using new materials, 
and becoming a little bit more popular. And then one of the turning points that really made me start paying attention, which I talked about in the review, was when I was working for Van S. Pens at a pen show. We couldn't keep enough inventory of those pens in stock now, for people. For as much as you know, who was buying these pens? Was it enthusiasts? Was it people that were kind of like uh, in the shows doing walkthroughs? Like, Do you know that? Yes, so this is an important distinction. These were new customers. Right. Buying their first expensive fountain pen. That was like $80. Like less at the time, like the Bennu pens that they launched with were all under $100. That's that's right. been their price point, right? Like 60 to $80 has been their price point. Very loud, very unique, very eye-catching. So people who were buying their first fountain pens were drawn to them, right? Kind of like Kaveco, right? You know, different style of pen. Kaveco is a little bit more subtle. Subtle. Um, some of the models are much cheaper, but the the Kavecos are the same thing. Same with Lamy, right? It's kind of that entry level pen that catches your eye, and then it falls into personal taste from there, right? Like, it, does this style fit me? You know, yeah. is this my aesthetic? And at the time, I always felt the Bennu like colors were cool, but like this isn't a pen for me, right? This is, you know, I don't want to say not serious enough, but like it just didn't, it wasn't a fit for what I liked in a pen. But then they kept, you know, innovating and trying new shapes, and they've come up with some really wild and, you know, pens that I, I just could never see myself using. But then they started mixing in a few newer designs that I was like, oh, okay, this is getting closer to something I want on my desk or right. I, want to, I want to write with. And, you know, that was when the Scepter and the Grand Scepter came out. They're these large twisting barrel pens. They're very large pens. But they're huge, I, yeah. Yeah, they're huge. But then they've ramped up their materials too, right? They've continued to push the idea of what a pen should look like and these look like no other pens right they're just they just don't they're just glitter bombs and glow in the darks and hot pinks and purples and neon black light posters like these are the black light <laughs> black light poster pens of the of the pen world and now they've gotten to a point where they release the euphoria which I don't want to say is the most basic Bennu pen because nothing they make is basic, but this is the most traditionally shaped fountain pen of their releases. It's just a long, you know, standard fountain pen barrel, standard cap, clip, you know, taper at the end, taper in the front with the Bennu wild colors. And I'm like, okay, this is it. So I, I've worked with Bennu for years. They've sent me tons of products over the years. They've sent me this, they sent me this pen for free that I reviewed and I've, they've been really nice about giving giveaway products. And I've always respected what they've done, but it's never been something that I wanted for myself. Like how do I justify this pen? Say so. This pen was one hundred eighteen dollars. Like that's the high end, right? You can get up to like one twenty eight if you went to the glow in the dark. So how do you justify this pen versus say a Pelican M two hundred five or a Platinum thirty seven seventy six that you get in that eighty to one hundred twenty dollar price range? Now those Pelicans and Platinums aren't always that price, but you can find them in there. And I should throw in Pilot too. The Pilot. Uh, 91 and some of the other 74 you can find in that range. How do you justify a Bennu pen when those are its competition? And the answer is you don't, right? This is not a pen you're trying to say, hey, this is the epitome of technical German engineering in the, Pe the Pelican M205, right? This is not the glorious, you know, high-tech Japanese nib of the Platinum 3776. This is a pen that's designed to be fun. Right. Right. It's never going to compete on a technical specification with the companies that have been around for 100 years that also have pens in the same price range. 
but my God, if I don't love using this pen. And it it's and that's it can be that way, right? Okay. We can have these things. I'm never going to tell you that this pen is better than a Pelican M205. It's just not. But I might enjoy using this pen more mm. because I pick it up and it makes me smile. And it's fun to use. It's fun to look at, and it kind of cracks me up, <laughs> like in the best way possible. Like what what more do you want than a product that puts a smile on your face when you use it? And that's what Bennu Pens is. And it took me a long time to figure that out, right? I was like, I kept wondering what I was missing. Yeah. You know, and this is never going to be the enthusiast pen, Mike. We're never going to be, you know, wondering about all the Bennu limited editions like we do the Sailor nibs. We're, we're just not. That's not what Bennu is. Not what, every company's that, built though? to be the same. Like, what are, the, what are the main, I mean, I know the answer, but like, what are the main differences to explain it? What, why aren't we going to be flipping out over the, every single release? Well, I, th- I think there is a limit, as long as Bennu's making this style of pen that they're making, there's a limit to what the feel of the pen is going to be right. with the materials that they use, right? It, it, this is what I feel in my hand adds up to what they're, the question they're currently asking me. It's like, hey, do you like this pen? Is it, is it fun to use? And do you feel it's a fair price? And it's like, yeah. And I think there's a limit to that. Like, I don't know if there's a, you know, a $200 Bennu pen with a gold nib that is, at that point, you're asking me to answer a different question. And that's a more, you know, serious writing discussion to have and a more technical discussion to have. Like, this is a pen that you would see at, you know, at a shop and pick it up on a whim Mm -hmm. where a lot of its competition is maybe more research driven on why you're going to make this purchase where I feel like the Bennu pen is just, it's just, you kind of, it's all right in front of you. You kind of like, you're getting what you're getting. You're getting these wild shapes and you know, is it the, you know, perfect materials and perfect nib and perfect section and all this? No, but is it awesome to use? Yes. And it's, it's hard to explain. Like it's different than all of these these pens I'm trying to compare it to. And like I'm good with this one, right? I don't need another one. I'm thrilled with this one. Maybe there'll be one down the line that I'll want. But it's not designed to be that way, right? It's more than a starter pen, but I don't know that it's like the hardcore fountain pen user pen. It's they're hard to place. Like I, I don't know how to place them mm. other than they sure as heck sell well. <laughs> like they seem to do very well with their wild colors. People really enjoy them. And it's one of those pens where people accept it for what it is, right? They're not trying to be, you know, pretentious fountain pen snobbery. They're trying to be fun. And that's what I see when I see this pen and I'm really thoroughly enjoying it. And, you know, sometimes you just have to take that and, you know, ignore all the comparisons to like, well, yeah, I can get gold nib Japanese pen X for cheaper than that. Well, yeah, sure. But that's not the conversation I'm trying to have with this pen. That's not what it's about. And, uh, it's better that way in my mind. Like it's just pure fun and it's good. I enjoy it. And I mean, I was genuinely <laughs> I very it. surprised when I saw the price. How much did this pen cost? Uh, 118. I mean, like that's why people like them. They look yeah. wild, right? So like if you've seen people uh, with these crazy acrylic pens, the stuff that we're talking about all the time, which is like multiple uh, hundreds of, of dollars. And then mm-hmm. you see one of these and it's like, well, that's like a quarter of the price. And, right. you know, you can make your own decisions as to whether you think it's a quarter of the value or not. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for me personally, I think they look good. I actually mm-hmm. think from my from my eye, um, they, I was surprised by the price, but I would have probably put, the, put it at maximum uh no more than $200 looking at the pen. Mm-hmm. Cause like mm-hmm. when I look at the images, I can see like the finishing on it is not to the standard that I'm used to. 
with right. some of the pens that I have, right? Like um, some of the design is not that great. I'm not a big fan of the logo and how large it is on the on the cuff. And mm-hmm. neither would I, you know, like be super excited about a Schmidt fountain pen nib, yeah. um, which this pen has. But at that price, I mean, if you like the style, it's unbeatable, right? Right, it's, right. It's such a fantastic price. Yeah, so here's the thing. Like if I put this, so the category what a couple months ago where I talked about the 150 to $200 fountain pens, mm-hmm. you know, that grouping of pens that I really enjoy with the wild materials, you know, I always speak about, you know, the, can I get something that's really cool and wild? This pen cannot compete with those pens on feel and finish and fit and, you know, quality. And it's not trying to like, if it starts trying to do that, then I think Bennu pens, you know, loses the idea of what they are. Like, they're not going to compete with the Leonardo's and the Montegrappas and, you know, the Franklin Christophs in that $150 to, to $200 price range. But for what they are, I think they're pretty damn cool. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yep. All right, you know what else is pretty dang cool, Mike? What? The Notco Kickstarter. Done for right. The wax Canvas, Wax Canvas, Brasstown, and Sinclair. There's like four days left. Maybe yep. it ends on Sunday. Um, it keep, it's like the, the Kickstarter math is always weird <laughs> because they don't roll over the hours for like, you know, entire days. They'll, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. They make it look like it's going to end on Friday, but the actual end date isn't until Sunday. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in this, we're, we're creeping up on 500 backers and 40 thousand dollars raised we'll get close to those things by the end we'll see if we we tip over those numbers those would be just nice raw numbers to hit but man it's it's heckin good right now with with what we've reached i'm very pleased and thankful for all y'all supporting this i'm excited to get these i'm excited to get this order in mike i'm excited to like get the machines going again for not code goods and um thank you all for your support and there's a few days left if you're interested I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, it's been going great. I'm super pleased for you. Uh, yep. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see. What's what's the delivery date on these? I put... March? I think I put March. Yeah. Like I gave myself six months knowing... So any... I've, I've said this out loud before, so this shouldn't come as any surprise. Any time frame I give for a manufactured good is double the quote that the manufacturer gave me. Yes. So when I was setting up this project and I'm talking to the manufacturers, like if we order X amount, what is my time frame to receive these? And they'd say like 10 to 12 weeks. I'd say, okay, cool. 24 weeks it is. <laughs> That's what it takes. Though. It's just how it is. And you're thrilled if you hit 24 weeks at that point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely thrilled. That it's a hundred percent gonna happen that way. <laughs> yeah. So you can do the math on any project or any release I am ever giving you. Mm-hmm. Any release date, you know that Brad was told half that time. Mm-hmm. But there is no benefit for me ever, ever, ever saying the accurate manufacturer time from what they quoted me. No. Absolutely none. None. So there you go. <laughs> Welcome to the inside baseball, even though I, I've said that before. So there no, you go. I think, so, I, think that's the, I think that's the right, I think that's right what you're saying. So that gives me the, the biggest chance to be right mm-hmm. on delivery dates. As much as I would like to tell you 12 weeks and deliver them in 12 weeks, like that's doing no one any benefit. No, not by any stretch of the imagination. All right, you may want to hit uh, Ask TPA or two. We have a quite a long one here at the beginning, so this might be might be our Ask TPA for the day because it's broken up into uh, into multiple. Uh, yeah, um, and I mentioned I mentioned to this uh, questioner this came in via email, and I said I wanted to take this one on the show, so I've not replied to them saying that I want to take it on here. But I wanted I want everyone else to know we have a bunch of Ask TPAs in the queue, which I'm always like building it up. We're gonna get to all of these, so mm-hmm. it just may not be today, but. Um, We'll we'll just uh, keep running through them. Keep sending them in at hashtag AskTPA on Twitter or email me at hello at com. All right, so 
this question comes in uh, from Jim, and Jim says, I've recently started getting into paper journaling and planning as part of managing my mental health, which is a great reason to do it. Uh, of course, part of that means I'm going way back into your archives and listening to everything I can. Thank you. That's very awesome. The reading list I'm getting uh, just from your links is getting bigger and bigger thanks to my podcast, uh, then my podcast backlog. I haven't taken the plunge into fountain pens yet, so I have a gel ballpoint rollable related question which the first part is, what are your favorite or essential refills for your non-fountain pens? All right, so just big picture, let me set up the, this question and the rest of these questions. These, I wanted to cover this on the show because these are very thoughtful questions and these are things that every single one of us thinks about, but we never have the opportunity to like get to expand on these mm-hmm. topics at all. They're very kind of 101 201 type of questions yeah. but i thought they were important to answer because as i was reading these questions it's like oh you know what i do this exact thing that that jim's asking us here so like with this first one what are your favorite or central refills for your non fountain pens i keep two maybe three kinds of refills ready <laughs> so number 1 is the uniball signo dx i always have several 0.38 colors, usually black and lavender black are my two most used, and then blue black. So the problem is you can't really buy refills other than black. So I have to buy extra pens. So I'll buy extra lavender black and extra blue black pens so I can steal the refills out and use them like in the spoke pen. Um, the second one is the Schmidt P8126 because I prefer that over the stock P8127 that ships with Retro 51s and other brands, pin brands that I like, because while I like the rollerball refill of the Schmidt, I actually love that refill, I want the just a tiny bit finer, Mm -hmm. and that's what the P8126 gives. It's 0.6 millimeters as opposed to 0.7 millimeters. Why they just don't make it a little bit smaller, I don't know, but whatever. What do I know? Third one is uh, the newest entrant into, hey, what essential refills do you keep at hand to use? And it's the Jetstream SXR007. It's the Parker-shaped Jetstream refill, which has replaced the Fisher parker style refill that i would usually keep so those are the two kind of pin categories that i'm trying to to fill with my preferred refill so parker style refill and then the schmidt style refill and then the dx is just kind of its own thing so the Jetstream sxr 7 for my parker refills the schmidt p8126 for all the pins that i have that take that refill and then the uniball signo dx so outside of that, those are I'm answering this from my perspective. Outside of that, I would for everyday use, I would also add in Pilot Juice refills. Those go into all your uh, Pilot G2 type of barrels. Right. So for a lot of people, will use those. So I just don't I don't have a lot of Park uh, excuse me Pilot G2 refill pens that I'm using right now. Like the only one I can even think of is the Sunderland MK1, which I have a blue black Pilot Juice .38 in. So. There you go. Yeah, I mean, like my thing uh, would would be the the Schmidt, right? Like if in this category, it's the yeah, only refill that I truly care about. Um, you know, outside of a fountain pen. Right. Yep. The next part of the question is: What products, paper, notebooks, blotters, disposable pens, refills, inks, whatever, do you always have at the ready? What products do you place an order for when they look to be getting low? Let me start with this one. Um, yep. So that last part of the question is pano books. Like as mm-hmm. soon as my pano books start getting low, more pano books are ordered. This is one of the only stationary products that I am like that with. It's just like I gotta have them, and when they start getting low, I'm gonna refill them. Everything else is a little bit more ad hoc. I feel like, or at least not. Uh, something that quote-unquote needs refilling very often. When it comes to the products I always want at the ready, it would be these days a theme system journal, a field notes notebook, a retro 51, and then the or Mark 1. Uh, so like having the P8126 with me and one of my favorite two bodies for that pen. Um, and then 
some kind of fountain pens, right? But like it's, it's like I have very specific brands of things that I need. Then it gets a little bit more uh, wobbly with which pen do I want to have the P8126 in? And then it's just like which fountain pens do I want? And it's usually a sailor of some kind. And they're the things I'll always have with me. But it's like super specific and then trails off. Yeah, so mine's kind of in, in two separate blocks as well. But really, it's kind of old me and new me. So starting from the days where I was working my IT job all the way up until probably like the last year or two, there were two notebook products that I constantly used, constantly went through them. And as I was getting low, I would reorder them. One is the Dome Paper Idea Journal. And two would be the Rhodia A4 and A5 dot grid pads. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the Idea Journal was like my favorite desk notebook of all time. It's just, it's one of those products that I just, you know, have a huge, huge love for. But I've essentially stopped using them because I don't need what they offer anymore. Um, and f- as far as like durability and portability and quality, like I'm able to use whatever at my desk now um, at home instead of like at work. The Rhodia was probably like my most purchased product, both the A4 and A5, because I'd use them for product reviews and for desk pads. And they're just very, very useful. And, you know, I'd go through, I'd order three or four at a time, go through them, get down to the last one, order three or four more. I've done that repeatedly, repeatedly with, with Rhodia. And that's kind of stopped. Like, all of a sudden. So, I think I'm into a couple of different things these days. And we're going to see if it's going to be a refill bulk order type situation with the Clairefontaine Triumph pad. I'm enjoying that for product reviews recently. So, I always keep, like, whatever notebook that's doing the best for product reviews, I'll always order those in multiples. Mm. So, right now, it's the Clairefontaine Triumph pad, which is... You know, a really quality blank sheet paper, which is surprising even to myself that I am using that so frequently. That might be my next bulk paper purchase where I might buy like three pads of that, right? I'm not burning through that. What I'm burning through just on a personal level is like Midori A5 notebook, but that's not something I need right now because I have other things that will fill that need when this notebook is full if that makes sense. So I don't do that as often as I used to with the Done Paper and Rhodia. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And like, I don't need to do that with inks or disposable pens or or anything else, right? It's mostly paper goods that would be this, I want to be sure to have X when I run out. And right now I don't have that as much as I used to. Oh, I will say, oh, there was a, like a follow-up to this question. This actually uh, does make me think of one product. It says, I'm sure field notes and no, knock notebooks are in that category. Per, perhaps some fine liners. What else? Fine liners. If I get low on like a Se- Secura Pigra Micron O2 or O3 tip size, like if I feel like I've burnt through those, I'll buy like three more of those at a time. Fine liners are one of those products that you do burn through. And that is one, either that or the Kuratakis. If I get down low on those stocks, that's when I buy like three or four at a time and then uh, go through it again. Mm. Uh, So anything else? I've gotten more generally, I've gotten fascinated by the push and pull of buy it for life versus single use products in the stationary hobby. Even though you have a lifetime commitment to an Akaya or a Murex, you still have to ink it up. And that means either developing a dedication to a particular line of consumable products or choosing to continue exploring the world of products out there, even if you've chosen to commit to a favorite pen is a fascinating aspect of the hobby, which is very true. And I think for me, I think for both of us, a mix between the two, is kind of the way of like finding the things that are quote unquote for life and they're like the more expensive products, but then also balancing it with the things that are more consumable. And when you put it like that, it is kind of funny really, right? That you may spend like $800 on this pen that is like everything that you've wanted and then you write on it on a $15 notepad that just gets thrown away. Yeah, I I think that's an important part of this entire email, which I thought was great. So thank you, Jim, for sending this. But 
the push and pull of the buy it for life for single use products is always going to be there, especially for someone like myself who uses so many. I want a lot of things, right? I, I want my desk to be filled with a huge range of products that I can pick and choose and love equally, no matter if they were $3 or $300, right? What Mm -hmm. I get from those products is an equal amount of love and respect, no matter the dollar amount. That's the, you know, the products that I choose that are my, those are my buy it for life products, regardless of price, right? I'm not buying it for life. I'm buying it for love kind of thing, right? I, my black wing, you know, could be sitting right next to a Nakaya and, you know, that one is, you know, $2.50 and one is $700 and I love them equally. I want them around at all times, but discovering that is where you can get in a little bit of trouble when you're trying to figure out what are your black wings and Nakayas, right? Mm. You know, going through the discovery phase of buying lots of things and then, you know, getting overcommitted to things that you don't really love. That's something we all kind of run into. I don't really have a great answer for that. Just you know, go slow. <laughs> so until you figure out the things that you know are your products that you want to have around yep. and, you know, th- that give you joy, that you respect either for their quality, their design, their craftsmanship, their story, um, and, and getting to that point, it, that that's where the a little bit of the danger comes in. It's it can be a, like a risky proposition sometimes, but you know, hopefully, you, you get there and you figure it out. All right. If you have a question you'd like to send in for a future episode of the show, you can do that by sending out a tweet with the hashtag AskTPA using question mark AskTPA in the Relay FM members Discord, or emailing it to hello at penaddict if you want to find Brad online, you can go to thepenaddict.com. You can go to notco.com, spokedesign.com, 10 a.m. Tuesdays, Thursdays, Eastern Time, twitch.tv slash penaddict. You can find Brad on Instagram. He's penaddict and dowdyism on Twitter. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. If you want to um, follow me on Twitch, go to mike.live and you can do that as well. Um, Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the show. Thank you to Squarespace for their support. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.